You're gonna live a linear, ordinary, rational life that you know only meets your expectations of what it is. <laughs> You're gonna get exactly what you expect out of life. And it's gonna be linear. And then there's a different kind of human being that's arising on planet Earth right now, which is truly humans that are having spiritual awakenings and recognizing that, wow, I know one, one infinitieth of what's going on. It's generous, like we know nothing. The world is so much more mysterious and magical and beyond our ability even fathom. And it's like when you embrace that and you open up to that, you say, okay, what if there's a mystical power of the universe? It's acting on my behalf. I open up to it and I start asking it questions. And I start developing a relationship with it. I start cultivating a relationship with it. You're gonna find that the timing on things isn't so random. Like there's synchronicity, there's coincidences, there's a flow that's happening in our lives that it's really present and it really works. And it's, it's what's behind a lot of the magic in people's lives. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. Through interviews and case studies, I examine how transformational insights have helped propel the lives and careers of exceptionally successful people. These major breakthrough moments teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Power, Jonathan Budd. On the show, we learn how his success journey has been by no means linear. He shares how a deep sense of disconnection with himself caused by wounds early in life led him to living a gangster thug-type lifestyle at a very young age. It wasn't until he had an awakening while looking down the barrel of a gun at age 20 where his life started to change and he began to find a sense of purpose and direction. He found enormous success doing online marketing in the early days of Facebook advertising. By the age of 26, he'd already earned $10 million making him one of the fastest and youngest success stories in the history of direct sales. He then founded Empowered Entrepreneurs to teach others the principles of entrepreneurship and modern-day marketing. Ultimately, Jonathan decided to leave the online marketing space because it wasn't providing fulfillment. He reveals how a life-changing experience in Mexico helped him to find his true life purpose. We'll discuss how all of these breakthrough moments made him the person he is today. Jonathan is very direct and does not censor his life story, so you're going to hear this one completely raw and uncensored. We discuss the painful loss of his mother, why he believes most entrepreneurs fail, what he means when he talks about the importance of going deep, and why he says energy management is the most crucial success habit he practices. We also learn about the vision for the foundation he established to help move the needle in our quest to get off fossil fuels. As you can see, this one's jam-packed, so I hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. All right, Jonathan, Bud, thank you for being on Inside Out. First and foremost, welcome to the show. What's happening, my friend? It's great to be here, Billy. Well, thank you for your time. I was introduced to you by Michael Pasalacqua, an old-time friend from my Varengo days, 
who spoke extraordinarily highly of you. And we had the opportunity to connect over the phone. And immediately as we started talking, I knew that you would provide a ton of value and some great insights. And you have an incredible story, especially some of the things that led you to your early success, which as I think we'll see as you go through your story, it's pretty incredible to see the trajectory that your career took early in your life. You got it, buddy. I would sum it up as an innate drive. I have just drive for some reason. That was a gift I got in this life. I want to accomplish things. I want to create things. I don't need anybody to motivate me. I got that. And that's been a crucial asset. And then the second thing is really purpose. For some reason, well, actually, I know the reason. I almost died. My first 20 years of life on this planet, I kind of lived in a hellish reality. My reality was dictated by deep sense of disconnection with myself in the world, a huge critical wounds that had taken place early in life that set me on the path of being pretty much this thug gangster, was introduced to that life really early on. And uh, it met a whole lot of needs, all the wrong ones. And so I found myself by the time I was 20, uh, pretty much facing my own death or ending up in jail. None of those two things seemed (laughs) all that happy. So, you know, I had my awakening at the end of the barrel of a gun, my friend. And that experience, essentially, when I came back from that experience and decided to choose life, that I was going to make a a drastic change in my life, there was just this newfound sense of purpose. I don't know any other way to describe it. It was like life now needed to be lived for a higher purpose. You know, that was the only reason I was here. I didn't have any other bullshit. Uh, I had already done every possible, you know, thing that that I guess I could do on that uh, aggressive sort of party, you know, whatever kind of lifestyle you want to call that. And by 20 years of age, I was really ready to start living a life that that was about purpose. And so when you combine drive and purpose together, you can really create some phenomenal things. And that's the quick skinny of it. You know, on the career side of things, I'm a big time believer in karma. And I think that when I started making the big life changes and living a life of purpose, my life got guided. It's the only way I can describe it. I was guided in certain directions. Online marketing was not a thing, really, in 2005, when I ventured onto the internet to try to, you know, generate leads for a network marketing business that I had just gotten introduced to and, you know, was absolutely clueless, had no idea what I was doing, how I was going to succeed. All I had was this drive and this purpose. You know, I knew I needed to succeed and I really wanted to. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years and, you know, I'm simplifying things. Basically, I became one of the top internet marketers in the world built this really industry-wide brand across online marketing and network marketing served over 100,000 customers, uh, had hundreds of thousands of people on my list, made millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, all in my 20s, mid 20s, early 20s. It's kind of like this dream that just all unfolded in front of me. Uh, And I really don't even know how 
you know, I just was following these breadcrumbs, you know, kind of tracing this trail. So it's an odd story. It's a strange story, but it's a true story. And eventually found myself in the solar industry because of that whole purpose thing. You know, I had all the money that I could have wanted. I had all of this accolades and, you know, this mini niche fame. And it wasn't enough. And that's a strange thing, right? When it's not enough. But it wasn't. You know, there was just this hole inside my being that money and, you know, mini fame and adoration. Like, it just doesn't fill. You know, it, it doesn't fill it. Like, it's just there's still this longing there for, well, wait a minute, you know, why isn't this filling it? And I knew what what part of it was at that time was that I didn't really care about teaching people how to generate, you know, leads on Facebook. I was over that shit. You know, after five years, I was tired of it. I don't want I don't care, uh, you know, about, you know, teaching you how to advertise, like unless there's a purpose behind what you're doing. You know, I don't want to be supporting somebody who's going out there selling shit. You know, that's not what my life's about. Like, I'm deeply concerned about the direction of humanity. We are effing our planet up left and right. We have global catastrophes that are occurring that actually threaten the very survival of our species. Like, there's no guarantee if we don't fix climate change that there's going to be a capacity to feed 10 billion people by 2050 and get clean water to 10 billion people by 2050. Like those aren't guaranteed things. Like those depend on a vital ecosystem and an ecosystem cannot function. We cannot grow food in 115 degree weather. Doesn't work. Go try it. Doesn't work. So if things don't change, there's no guarantee that society will be able to sustain itself. And here I am teaching people how to fucking generate leads on Facebook for some skin cream or whatever it like no like just no like that no longer worked for me I needed my life to be about solving these challenges I needed to know that I was actually doing my part I was making a difference there was a purpose for why I existed and that's what really led to a complete 180 exit of the online marketing industry and that whole world I was in and diving into a world I knew nothing about to go try to solve a big giant challenge. And here we are today. Thank you for sharing. Let me let me start by just saying that I had no idea about, as you called it, the thug life that you led. I want I want <laughs> to dive in on that in a minute. But before we do, I just have a very specific question about your realization about your purpose not being filled. Was that a sudden realization? Did it happen over time? Walk me through kind of your mental, how you took that change on mentally and how you transitioned into what you're doing yeah. now. Yeah, you know, it was a fascinating experience, actually. It kind of came all at once. And then it played out over a few years, but it hit me really in, in a moment. The moment was September, October of 2010. And I basically was launching the first Facebook advertising coaching program ever in the network marketing industry. So imagine that, right? You know, everybody looks at Facebook today and it's like the default everything. And, you know, there was a time when it wasn't and it was very new and people were just learning how to use this. And I was at the leading edge of all that. And there was like a race between me and other marketers always to like, who's going to launch the training program and the next big thing first. And, and it was usually me and Mike Dillard. You know, We were kind of the ones that were always first to the party, mapping these things out. And so I launched this program. 
I made about a million and a half dollars in seven days. I, I netted about 800 grand. So that was my net on that deal. So I was sleeping on a pillow of cash that night and I was crying. I literally found myself like taking breaks from writing email copy and swipe copy and just crying. And I was really sad because I was going through a breakup at the time. And I just felt this kind of loneliness and like this, this feeling of just dissatisfaction. And it was just striking to me. Like, how can I be taking a break from writing this email, like making all this money and I'm just weeping? with sadness. The disconnect was just tremendous. I was like, shouldn't I be ridiculously happy right now? Why am I not? And it just kind of impacted me. Like it, it was like, it, it woke me up. It was like, wait a minute, something's going on here. Like money is not the end all and be all like this multi-year, like chasing and building and thing that I've been on. Like it actually isn't bringing me to happiness. And within about a week, a friend invited me to attend a symposium called the Awaken the Dreamer, Change the Dream Symposium. It sounded like this hippy-dippy thing. And I was like, what is this? It sounds so weird. But I just had this strange feeling that I needed to go to this thing. It was like, I needed to be there. I didn't know why. I attend this symposium. It is being led by Bill Twist and Lynn Twist, who have since become some of my greatest mentors in life. They run an organization called the Pachamama Alliance. They are two of the most exemplary human beings alive today. Lynn Twist has raised hundreds of millions of dollars for essentially um, causes, important causes. Uh, over almost three decades at Feed the Children, she was responsible for God knows how many people that didn't starve to death because of her. And then she had another awakening and um, and decided to take her work into South America and uh, and create an organization called the Pachamama Alliance. And part of what the Pachamama Alliance was doing was protecting the Amazon rainforest from millions of acres from being developed for oil exploration. And they partnered with an indigenous tribe called the Achuar, who was a dream culture, and they had zero connection with the outside world for thousands of years. Imagine this, a tribe living today in the Amazon, no connection with the outside world, operating the way they have been for thousands of years. And they started having in their dreams, visions of oil exploration, companies, they saw their land destroyed, they saw it burning on fire, they saw it polluted and tarnished. They knew that it was coming for them through dreams. And they reach out somehow and get in touch with Lynn Twist, of all people. And um, it's an amazing story. You'll have to hear her tell it someday. And so part of what Lynn knew she was to do was not just help them, but they told her, you need to change the dream of the modern world. If you don't change your people, then this thirst for oil, this exploration and, and exploitation of our natural resources is never going to stop. We made to protect this, you know, little piece of land over here, but it's just going to go over there. So the Pachamama Alliance created what's called Awaken the Dreamer, Change the Dream Symposium. And when I took that six-hour symposium that day, it wasn't like I was learning a lot of new information because I knew the, the world was doing a lot of things it shouldn't be doing. But 
being connected to that organization at that time, seeing that there was actually a pathway to make a difference and be part of people working on the highest level things to change the world and the direction of the world, it ignited something in me that I didn't know I had. And from that day forward, it was like something changed in me. I knew that I was meant to spend my time supporting that organization in some way, learning from that organization, learning from Lynn and Bill Twist. And ultimately, that was when I began my path of exiting what I was doing and finding my purpose. Isn't it interesting how timing works? You were in this clearly a transitional state that was festering or happening as a result of you not feeling satisfied, not feeling like your purpose is being filled. Simultaneously, you're going through a breakup. That's an emotional to deal with. And as things would turn out, you have this incredible awakening that occurs as a result of you attending this event, this symposium. If you had attended it earlier or later, it may not have had the same impact. Because as you said, there were a lot of things that you you already knew it sounds to me like it was a timing thing that really unleashed this new version of yourself. So as you looked past where you were sitting that day, could you see exactly what you were doing or going to do? Or did it sort of evolve over the next couple of years? What did that look like as you began to make that transition away from what you were doing that was unfulfilling and toward what would be more fulfilling? Oh, it was a big time journey, Billy. But I want to hit upon what you just said, because you just said something that is brilliant and I want to name it, you know, and you called it timing. And it's like what I want to actually name it as is like some type of spiritual divinity. Like there's something else going on. The orchestration of events in people's lives like that timing, like how do we just chalk all that up to like luck? You know, like, oh, you know, there was just this random sequence of perfectly coordinated things to produce this spiritual result or the spiritual awakening. And no, the answer to that is no. I think that when people really begin to open up to the fact that there is a mystical power in the universe, there is a spiritual power in this universe, there's a spiritual power that actually guides and directs our lives. And we're either open to it or we're closed off to it. If you're closed off to it, you have all the justification in the world that it doesn't exist because it's never going to do shit for you. You're going to live a linear, ordinary, rational life that you know only meets your expectations of what it is. <laughs> you're going to get exactly what you expect out of life. And it's going to be linear. And then there's a different kind of human being that's arising on planet Earth right now, which is truly uh, humans that are having spiritual awakenings and recognizing that, wow, I know one, one infinitieth of what's going on. And there is and that's so... And that's being generous, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like for all of us, not just for you, right? Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's generous. Like we know nothing. The world is so much more mysterious and magical and beyond our ability to even fathom, you know, and it's like when you embrace that and you open up to that and you say, okay, you know, what if there's a mystical power of the universe? It's acting on my behalf. I open up to it and I start asking it questions and I start developing a relationship with it. I start cultivating a relationship with it. 
you're going to find that the timing on things isn't so random. Like there's, there's synchronicity, there's, there's coincidences, there's a flow that's happening in our lives that it's really present and it really works. And it's, it's what's behind a lot of the magic in people's lives. That's my experience. Had you ever noticed that before? Or was it only at this part of your life that you began to recognize that this was a reality? Oh, no. It was immediately after I made the switch from living a essentially a lifestyle that was a death. It was a death-based lifestyle. Like I was choosing death and I was heading towards the end. And as soon as I said, nope, I'm going to find it somewhere within my being to fully exit this life, which is quite hard. None of my friends really did. Most of the people I knew and loved from that period of my life, many of them are dead. Most others have been to prison, spent the better part of the last decade in prison. Not easy to get out of that life at all. And somehow, you know, I don't know how, um, I did. Made the choice. And it was like immediately from that moment in time, my life exploded in another direction. It was like spiritual books and wisdom and teachers and mentors and practices and yoga and meditation and healthy eating and all these things. Just I embraced them. They came in. And that was really the time when I started getting guided in these much more concrete ways. In a much more spiritual, where, where you feel that there is something outside of yourself guiding you. It's not just happenstance or coincidence or some sort of just randomness. It actually, as you said, the synchronicity that that exists is being guided by something else. You know, going back to the thug life, and we won't talk too deeply about this unless you want to, but one of the things that I thought of as you were talking is about the concept of confidence. And the reason I bring this up is if you're going to be in a lifestyle and I don't know, I don't know all the particulars, but I, I know that if you're going to survive in a lifestyle that is in that realm, one of the things that you absolutely must have to survive is some level of confidence. Because if you don't, you're gonna get eaten up. And I'm curious if that is true in your case and if that's something that you developed in that part of your life. Because you can't throw that part of your life out whole stock, right? There there are probably some things that you developed by virtue of you being in that lifestyle that you've actually still held on to. And I could be totally off base. And if so, just tell me, but I'm curious, is there any truth to that? Are there other things that were developed at that period of your life? Yeah. I have no regrets. Like obviously it was what was meant to be because it all happened and it was mostly a default life. You know, there was just choices that were made so early on in my life, starting at age two and a half and three and four that, I had no conscious control over that were setting me up on to be in that life. And that is usually the way it is for most people in that life. It's it's a not too many people have given a choice would would choose to to hurt that much. And unfortunately, everyone in that life is really hurting, really hurting. You don't end up there by accident. It's a very hard life. So I wouldn't say that it's confidence necessarily because there's a lot of false confidence whereas, you know, the truth is, is I wasn't confident in myself at all. I hated myself. I literally hated myself. Most people probably hate themselves who are doing those kinds of things that we were doing. But, you know, innately, I knew what I was capable of. And I'm a warrior in this life. And so I was a warrior. I knew I was a warrior. You know, those those attributes, you know, tend to, to bode well. You know, you don't 
if you can't defend yourself and if 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 you're not able to beat the shit out of for lack of a better purpose you know most of the people you encounter or, or amass a crew of people that can do such they're not going to last too long right i mean somebody's going to come and they're going to take what you have i wouldn't call that confidence it was hard and it was fueled by anger and rage and all of this unprocessed emotion think ways that you were impacted that you didn't even know you were impacted and it just manifest as this kind of unconscious rage and anger and hatred. So I've really spent the better part of the last uh, 16 years really rebuilding, you know, every part of myself, repatterning every part of myself. And it was crucial that I do that. You know, it's, it's been part of the guidance, right? It's, you know, all these, all these way, all these, these things you picked up, you know, like they're not allowed to stay. Like if you want to continue to be guided and continue to be blessed, continue to be abundant, you've got to do the work to really change every aspect of yourself that isn't aligned with love, with truth, with joy, with bliss, with peace. That's kind of more the true nature of of man and true nature of us. Certainly the part of us that feels good. <laughs> and I want to feel good. You know, I like feeling good versus feeling bad. So you feel a lot better when <laughs> you're... Yeah, for yeah. for sure. I mean, let's face it, life is finite. No one has an endless ticket to stay here. And if you're not no. feeling good and living the type of life that you can put your head on the pillow, even if it's not a stack, stacked with uh, cash, but put your head on the pillow and feel good about how you're leading your life, then I think it becomes challenging. That's not a bad segue, Billy, because now I've had a chance to put my money where my mouth is and do both. And so I literally, to enter the solar industry, gave up the entire sack of, of cash, all of it, and had no idea that I was going to have to do that when I started this company called Power. And ori originally, I wrote the first half a million dollar check, and that kind of funded the company, started our platform, started everything. And I figured, we'll be launched by August. This was February. Money will start coming in, you know, by August, you know, things are going to take off, you know, all this stuff's going to happen. Ha! Just freaking ha is all I have to say. I was in for the biggest smack over my head with a two by four. Like just because your intentions are noble and you're following your purpose, that doesn't mean shit. You could have all the best intentions and best purpose in the world. But if you're not also backing that up with how you live and, you know, the choices you're making and your experience and your sophistication and, and everything else, like if it's not all backed up, then it really doesn't mean a whole lot. And I was green behind the ears and inexperienced and wet in so many ways when I really took on being the CEO of a sustainable energy company that is solving one of the biggest challenges in the industry, which is how do we acquire customers? How do we do it in a scalable business model uh, in a way that no other company has ever done before so that we control the cost? Um, you know, I, I didn't have any idea what I was in for. And uh, it, it came for me, Billy. It asked for everything. And, <laughs> and if I hadn't given every dollar and everything, then power wouldn't be thriving the way it is today. But talk about an adjustment. I mean, I, I went back to 
okay, shit, I guess I got to worry about paying rent this month. I guess I got to worry about how I'm going to do this. I guess I got to worry about how I'm going to do that. Like, that's what it asked from me to really live this, this purpose life. And, um, and I was willing to give it like, because I had seen like, you know, actually I've learned that this, you know, and it does make you happy. Don't get me wrong. Like it feels a lot better to have money than it doesn't. And there's a certain amount of it. That's like when your needs are met, like if they're not met, you're just in anxiety and stress. But once they're met, having that much more doesn't really move the happiest needle. So I kind of had this belief, well, even if it doesn't work out, you know what? I put my money where my values are. I went for it. I did the thing that I was guided to do. I will be proud of who I am as a person, regardless of what this outcome is here. So I'm going all in and knowing that that's the right choice. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not for everybody, but (laughs) that's how I played my cards. Well, no, I mean, if you think about it, what you were effectively doing was blending several things. So you had this experience in network marketing you could draw upon that. You knew you wanted to do something that you would feel amazing about, which is helping the planet. So clearly solar is ripe for doing that. And then there's a need. The holy grail of the solar industry is customer acquisition. So blending those three things, I know that was the initial vision of your company, was a a very smart, creative idea. What was the realization, let's call it the first couple of years. This was 2014 when the company was founded. Is that correct? When when did you start to have the realization that maybe you needed to shift gears? Because my understanding based on our first conversation was that there's been a lot of uh, on your path to where you're at today, which you've said there's been this over the last year or so, there's been a, a tremendous amount of a growth and, and things to be really excited about. But it wasn't a linear path, right? It wasn't a, the, an easy road by any stretch. So what, what what did those first few years look like and how did you pivot? Yeah. So it, it wouldn't be incorrect to say that we were completely wrong about all of our core assumptions of this business. All of them. I mean, everything that the, the initial incarnation of power was built upon, we were wrong about. Like the assumptions just weren't true. So like the first one was, well, the best way to achieve scale is to partner with, you know, one of the biggest national solar providers in the world and let them handle all the, you know, sales and installation. And we'll just generate all the leads and create the customers and do it through our our network model. That was completely false. Solar City, our partner at the time, was horrific. I mean, I'm just going to say it like it was, you know, like there was a 60 to 70% cancellation rate of contracts that were getting signed. Installs were taking forever. I mean, we just could not create customers. And we, our model took off. I mean, we started signing up thousands of people fast. I mean, the darn thing was exploding. We, we sent, I think, 15,000 leads to Solar City in the first year. Where were the customers? They didn't exist. I mean, and all of a sudden, all our leaders, everybody started disappearing because there's no customers. You know, you're you're sending all this all this in, and you're not getting a whole lot back on the backside. So obviously, we all know this was a very tumultuous time in Solar City's lifespan. That was uh, the end of 2015 into 2016. They were acquired by Tesla in Q3, four of 2016. So we were we were partnering with them through that whole time period. It was a very tumultuous time period. And essentially, we, we had our right before we got 
when they announced the Tesla acquisition, I kind of knew that there was no way that channel partners were going to sustain through that. So our board and I started immediately saying, okay, what is the future here? And if we've already identified there's an issue with kind of the main national provider models, and we didn't think Sunrun was going to be any better. We didn't think Sun Sunjevity was going to be any better. Obviously, Sunjevity went bankrupt like six months later. So then we started thinking, okay, well, the rise of the regional local solar installer is happening. You know, they're offering more competitive prices. They're offering better install timelines, better installation quality. Like they're, they're paying better money. You know, wow, maybe we really need to consider local regional solar installers. And this was even before the EPC market took off. Like this was 2016. EPCs were just starting to really get traction the way sales orgs and EPCs have today. So we went out and we we built a, a whole platform because we couldn't API with all of these ind individual companies directly. And, and really the, the best thing about our relationship with SolarCity was this API connection. So we had to build a platform for them to manage all the data we were sending. We built that platform in 90 days. We developed the first initial network of solar companies in 90 days to support 22 markets that we were replacing with Solar City because we didn't want to lose coverage for our reps. And we launched this thing and it was absolutely much better than Solar City. However, we started noticing, well, it's still lead generation and we just weren't making enough money generating leads. And it was like even getting a way better conversion rate, way better install timelines, more money. It was still leads. And it was like in solar, like you got to make a lot more money than six, seven, eight hundred bucks if you're going to wait 90 days to get a check. And that's the reality of a lead gen commission. Right. So then we so then we decided, all right, well, let's get into sales. And we repurposed the company again to really start converting to a sales model where we're actually now signing the deals, you know, and we're taking our 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 sales force, educating them on how to become consultants. And we built out a nationwide sales model. Did that in about 90 to 180 days. And in 2018, we launched our sales model. And really, that was the year that operationally, I think we cut our chops and we really shifted into being a solar company. We kind of pivoted from being a, a network marketing company and a lead generation company and a software company into really primarily being a solar energy company and learning. You know, we had learned so much already from our nationwide network of installers, but we're just picking up each part of the value chain as we went along. And 2018 was really a brutal year. I'm not going to lie. Personally, it was a brutal year. Professionally, it was a brutal year. I lost my mom. My mom was our VP of operations. And really, it was me and her neck and neck. I mean, we took on so much of the operational management when we made that transition, because I'm not going to go hire people for tasks we don't know and things like that. So we we mapped the process. Me and her really mapped everything out first. And then we started hiring people around middle of the year once we had really defined the positions, defined the roles, defined everything. But the first six months, I mean, we were just doing so much. It was crazy how much operational stuff we took on. And it was painful. And lo and behold, she had cancer the whole time. And uh, by August, you know, she started visibly, you know, signs of deterioration and and we didn't know what was going on with her. We thought it was fibromyalgia or some kind of nervous system thing. 
And we were just still running and gunning so hard, kind of in denial, really, around like there's a real serious health thing showing up here. Like, don't you think we should go to the ER or whatever? And she kept going to this doctor, that doctor. And then uh, finally, October, she lost the ability to chew. And she's like, shit, something's going on. Walks into the ER, does a scan, and she has tumors throughout her entire body. And uh, she was gone, man, within 30 days. 30 days from that day, she was gone. That changed my life again. Purpose, I definitely made the change to purpose. Our business was about purpose. But there was a way that I was living. There was there was a way that I had let kind of unhappiness and unhealthy patterns like creep back into my life. I was overexerting myself. I was overworking. I was putting the mission and the business before everything else, before health, before family, before all these things. I can't describe what it's like to lose mom in that way. And especially who she was to me, my right hand person in this business. It uh, it ripped my heart out and um, and it stopped my world. And basically I said, no more. You know, I'm not I'm not putting anything before life anymore. And that's what I can really attribute the transformation in our business to this year, Billy. It was almost like I had this ruthless ability to cut through bullshit. And all the things that I was scared of in the past, oh, I don't want to disappoint this person or disappoint this group or, oh, gosh, what if we just rip the Band-Aid off this whole network marketing thing? And, you know, are people going to be sad or scared or mad or who's going to be let down? And it was just like, I don't give a shit about any of that anymore. I'm just going to do what's real. I'm just going to speak my truth. I'm just going to live truth and live what matters because the fucking truth is that I could die or the people I love the most could die at any fucking moment. In any second, I could wake up and it's my mom or my dad or me or my best friend who I had lost a month before to cancer. And it was just like, done. I'm done living in this false pretense of like the future and like, oh, I got to be scared about disappointed people. No. And we start asking ourselves, what's the truth about this whole model? What's the truth about who who we are, who this business is? And when I started asking those questions, I was like, you know what? I don't really care about network marketing. Like I'm not like I have been attached to the model away, but I really don't care That's not what we're here to build. We're here to build a game-changing, revolutionary solar energy company, a revolutionary solar company that changes the industry by building a new model for how customers are acquired. And when we start asking ourselves, what should that be? Who do we really want to attract? Who are the real types of people we want on our platform? Who are we? We're really kind of like high-level sales professional, entrepreneurial type of people. That's who we are. What do those people want? Well, they want this kind of freedom. They want the biggest commissions in the industry. They want, you know, opportunity and lifestyle income and career pathways, entrepreneurial pathways, equity ownership, all these things. And it just, we, our thinking's changed so drastically. And we just designed this model that was like, this would be the coolest thing ever. This is who we are. Let's do this. We cut the whole network thing out. We just, we, we, we were ruthless and the changes that we made. And it was like unbelievable how that impacted the business. Like 
month number one, it was like, what was it? 80% growth? Like month one in terms of our contract signing, we almost doubled how many contracts we signed in April from March. And then May was 50% growth from April to May. And then from where we are there, it's just continued, you know, every single month, like 30% month over month growth in front end sales. And, uh, you know, we want to keep that going, man. So, I mean, there was, there was just some kind of like DNA change that occurred in the organization. And, and when we made that change and we're fearless about it, it just, it unlocked like explosive growth. Priorities and thinking can change when life smacks us upside the head. Obviously, I'm sorry about your mom, bro. That's, um, I don't even know. You can't, there's nothing that could be said. It's, um, it sounds like it was, you know, incredibly difficult for, for many reasons. Not only is it she your mother, but your business partner and everything that you did together. So thank you for sharing. It's probably hard to think about that time and that period. I also think that you shared how that experience played a part in the evolution of your company, which is was really interesting to me because you could have just put the cards on the table and said, I quit. But instead, you, you, you grabbed your cards and you said, how do we put together a hand that will work? How do we put together a business that will not necessarily be the business that you originally envisioned, but be the right business, getting past all the bullshit, all the false notions, and really looking at the truth of what really matters. Yep. And so that's, that's super powerful. Speaking of truth, one of the things that you've done in sort of in tandem with power is you've built some other businesses to give back to entrepreneurs and to think about ways in which you can further your mission to create a world that works for all life. So, you know, there, there's a lot there and you've done a lot. I wonder, you know, you can take whatever you think would be most valuable to share. I know you started Empowered Entrepreneurs, you started a company called MyStand and Futuristic Marketing, and now you have something called the Global Transformation Council. So curious which of those, I know they all have various missions and reasons behind you starting them. Maybe you could take them one by one or talk about the ones that you feel most passionate that would be worth sharing. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that um, all of our companies that were focused on marketing and training were sort of the previous incarnations, you know, of, of who I was. All of my time, 100% of my time at this point is put into power. But what I will say about those those missions is that there's a very real calling that I have to do transformational work with entrepreneurs and with people in general. I actually produced and ran an event called Unstoppable Entrepreneur for several years. It was a big event. You know, we moved thousands of people through that program and, and live sort of events. And the the change that people make in those kinds of experiences, like it really has the ability to alter their life direction. Every every change needs to be sustained. You can't just do something once. You You have to do it every day, right? So it's not that people can change their life forever because they have an experience. That's not the point. The point of an experience is to give you something new, uh, new frameworks, new tools, new insights, paradigms, um, new context to understand the world and understand yourself so that your actual direction changes and to be more in alignment with what you truly want, what's really going to make you happy, what's really going to produce the results you want in the world. And that work is deeply sacred to me. I continue to do that work myself all the time. 
in fact, just got back from Mexico not too long ago doing a six-day program down there called Living Freedom. And I've done just about every type of transformational program you can do. I've been through all of Tony Robbins stuff. I've been through all of Landmark's courses and stuff. I've been through all of the Hoffman process, Noble Man. I've been through the Mankind Project, through Living Freedom. The next one I'm eyeing is a program called Avalon, which is like a really, you know, powerful sort of like seven day transformational workshop. And, and, you know, so much of the big uh, breakthroughs I've had in my life, I attribute to this work. And so there's a time coming, Billy, where Jonathan Budd as CEO has a little bit more space. And I'm not so involved in the day-to-day running of companies in which I'm going to bring back the transformational work that I do with entrepreneurs and people in events. And that's something I'm extremely passionate about. And you'll likely see a new company form around that at some point. Now, the Global Transformation Council is, it's a foundation I've had for nine years now. And the goal of the wealth that I create through power is pretty much to go into that foundation. And we want to find the movements, if you will, or the organizations that we can verify you know, are working on like critical issues to to solve the biggest challenges in the world at the most efficient levels, right? So if there's like a game-changing organization, for example, working on like a solution or technology and they can prove it to like get the plastics out of our ocean and clean up the garbage patch or something, right? Like that would be a needle-moving organization that we'd want to support or like strategic initiatives at like changing some of the most dysfunctional policies in our democracy today, like unlimited corporate funding for politicians, you know, like this makes no fucking sense. How is there not a law that is barring the influence of billionaires and multi-trillion dollar industries from owning our politicians and our democratic process? Like this makes no sense. But to get that changed, you actually have to have a a constitutional amendment. So you need the majority of the House and the majority of the Senate to amend the Constitution so that there are limits on how much any individual, any organization, any industry, whatever, can lobby and donate to policymaking. Now, this is a no-brainer if we actually want a true democracy. Otherwise, you have a fictitious democracy that's really governed and controlled by whoever has the most money, which we all know is the way it is today. And we kid ourselves, right? Like, well, you know, this person or that person. No, until we amend the fucking Constitution, the shit ain't going to change that much, right? We're still going to see money really calling a lot of the shots here, ladies and gentlemen. So, like, that's something that I would love to to be able to put a substantial amount of resources into working on and, and getting progress. So that's really the goal of the Global Transformation Council is to fund those types of projects and initiatives. But I know, you know, hey, the first time I funded that organization, you know, sure, you know, I put some money in there and, and we were able to donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to all these, you know, different causes. And that feels great. And I'm, I'm glad I did that. But my vision is a lot more money than that. So that's why a part of the reason why power um, really needs to become the largest solar residential solar energy sales organization and installer in the world, which is our goal. Because if I can accomplish that, 
then really I'm going to have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to put towards, you know, all of these different charities and organizations and initiatives. And that's actually my goal. That was actually the reason why I went into business when I was 20. And I was trying to think of what's the best reason to do this. And I was like, well, you know, actually having one of the largest foundations in the world focused on solving all these problems would be really amazing. Like that would be super fulfilling. Like that's why I should do business. And so that was my goal setting out at 20 and it's still my goal today. (laughs) I love it. Well, it's so inspiring to hear you talk about it. Your vision for power and the ultimate, what that will help you accomplish with the council and with everything else you're doing is incredibly exciting. But I also know that that's a huge lift, right? To get to where you want to go is going to require a lot of you. So it's like you have this passion, you want to give back to entrepreneurs, but you know, you need to be zeroed in on your business to make your business thrive. What's the, you gave me like the long-term vision for power. What's the short-term, medium-term vision to get yourself on that trajectory. And it sounds like the growth that you're having is already doing a lot of those things. Curious what your, what your immediate and sort of middle ground focus is to get your company to that level. Yep. So our experience, Billy, has been that, you know, pretty much we've come for, for every aspect, we've come back for every aspect of the solar value chain. So we really started right around the very uh, origin of a customer, which is when the lead gets created. And that was the first thing we learned how to do masterfully well through a low cost model, low cost acquisition, network based like strategy, like the way we create customers, we do that in a way nobody else is doing. And it's a huge advantage for us. So that was our origin. And that was really the where we started. But then we needed to literally come in order to mature into the company we were destined to be. We had to come for all the aspects of the solar value chain. So, of course, we took over design and proposals and sales and contracts. And then we took over procurement in the most recent iteration of our business model. And we're handing sort of nationwide logistics and all these things. And the next big move for the company is obviously to become the brand. So um, we actually uh, have filed for our electrical contractor license in Texas. We just filed for our general contractor license in California. The next state we'll be filing for our EC is Florida. So in each of our top markets and really ultimately across all of our all of our states that we operate and do business in, um, you know, power is going to be the brand, the solar installer, the company um, that is managing these projects and doing everything from end to end. And so making those investments in the brand um, and differentiating our sort of brand promise to customers is something we're super excited about because. I mean, I don't mean this to, you know, be like arrogant or cocky or anything, but like every time we've taken on one of these initiatives, like we've done it really well and we've done it better than most of the solar installers that we've worked with. And that's just the truth. Like, don't want to be like, and there are phenomenal companies that we're learning from every day. We have so many phenomenal partners and we're partnered with the best of all of them, but I've, I've partnered with hundreds of solar companies. And we've done a lot of this industry better than like 95%. And that's where we need the the standard and quality to be. Like, we're not going to let companies be in control if the quality and the service and being in control isn't ultimately the most beneficial thing to the customer, to our consultants and to the brand. 
So there's a lot of reasons why we're moving in this direction. It's the next big uh, step for us, and it will be executed by the end of Q1 and Q2 of 2020 in most all our top markets. So we're really excited for that. And then there's some things we're working on that maybe you and I can talk about privately. I'm not ready to, to talk about it publicly yet, but they're very, very, very exciting. And different ways we're looking at offering value to the industry, you know, leveraging our software platform, leveraging, you know, the experiences that we've had and kind of the uniqueness of the model. You know, we're really looking at how we add value and how we help sales leaders and consultants and really professionals inside this industry capitalize on their strengths and go to the next level. And there's such a glass ceiling over everybody's head right now, Billy. I mean, you know, you talk to everybody. I talk to everybody. Every person I'm talking to is like, how do I just break through this level that I'm at? And it's like, you know, the people who are great and doing well in the industry, they're good. They're making money. And there's this ceiling over their heads. And it's like to break through that next level and really hit some kind of exponential growth. Nobody's tapped that. Nobody. I mean, it's really this highly fractured marketplace, you know, this super commodity driven type thing with no real differentiation, everybody competing for a lot of the same people and this, that. And it's just like the ceiling is hanging over the head of the industry. And uh, and so we're very focused on um, making the ceiling the floor and continuing to do that over and over and again for our people. You know, that's what we're working on. I love that concept, Julie. Just forget about the ceiling and go past the ceiling and have that be the, the new floor, which if you've ever traded, uh, knowing the support and resistance line, <laughs> you, you make that change, then yeah, things will begin yeah. to look a lot different than they do today. And we'll wish you nothing but the best on creating the brand and the vision that you're setting off to create from an end-to-end perspective, vertical integration, and really owning all the parts of the process. And really putting your brand at the front and center is going to be, I think, it sounds like a key initiative and a key reason for your long-term success. You know, in a minute, we're going to get into the lightning round. Before we do, I have a couple of questions. Knowing that you've worked with lots of entrepreneurs and you've hosted events that are dedicated to helping entrepreneurs reach their fullest potential, curious what you found to be some of the let's just call them areas of opportunity or mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make. And then I also want to discover the flip side of that. What are some of the things that you're seeing entrepreneurs doing that have impressed you and have made you either support what they're doing or even adopt what they're doing and saying, yeah, that's a great approach. Yeah. I guess there's two different personas or, or sort of avatars for where people are at that they make certain mistakes in you know for the more newbie starting entrepreneur or professional there's oftentimes just this mistake of like not going all the way it's like people really get involved in something but they don't go all the way and success is a 110% game 98% doesn't get you there like it just doesn't get you to the finish line like you got to go over the finish line and the finish line is 100% And so, so many people start something and then for whatever reason they have this experience or that experience, they try really hard and then, oh, this happens or that, oh, I was disappointed by this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's so much fragility that we allow. And I don't know why we allow that type of of fragility, but it, it really, 
it stops so many people from seeing what they're really capable of and what their real potential is because they just don't go all the way. They don't go through the obstacles. They don't go through their initial disappointments and frustrations and expectations not being met and challenges. They just, those things stop them. And like, that's why I created Unstoppable Entrepreneur because you don't have a chance if those things stop you. Like, but as soon as you become the type of person in which those things don't stop you, and you go all the way, like you create sex success in whatever you choose. Like if you choose to do something, you're going to be successful in it because you're committed 100% to going all the way with it. And pretty much nothing stops that person. And then, you know, for people that are just kind of endowed with different capacities, and oftentimes I see a lot of like sales professionals in this industry that it's like, you know, they're great at sales or good at what they do, like they make money, like they've kind of got the capacities, but there's so many things holding that person back from going to the next level of success. And what I see, and I think it's a major issue in the industry, is just this kind of really transactional nature of people. And it's like there's this shiny object syndrome, like I'm focused on the next three cents a watt, you know, oh, where can I get three cents a watt? Where can I get this? Where can I get that? You know, oh, I'll, oh, I don't like that this person did this today. So I'm going to go over to this person. And then like, oh, well, this person wasn't perfect in this way. So I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go over there. And there's just kind of this like transactional nature to everybody that is so opposite of like real principles that create success. Like, honestly, people got to start going deep go freaking deep. Don't stay surface. Don't say horizontal. Don't say transactional. Go deep in your partnerships. Go deep in your principles. Go deep into your business. And there's so much value in there. And like all of our guys who are doing the best right now, who are starting to make incomes that are multiple, what the best people in this industry even make, you know, 10,000 a week type earners consistently over and over and over again. People that are now making six figures pacing passive from sales that are taking place within people they've referred to power. They're the ones that they just went deep. Like they stuck with us. Like they went deep through model changes. Like they just didn't have that sort of shiny object. Like, oh, well, I didn't like this today. So, you know, oh, there's got to be something. But the grass is always greener somewhere. And it's like they, they went deep. They learn the system, they master the system, they start perfecting their craft. Like all of us keep iterating. We get better and better and better month after month. Our relationships get stronger. Our team gets stronger. The network effect is stronger. The community is stronger. It's like you're building value on top of these things. And when people are transactional in nature, it's like all that value that could be built gets lost. And you don't actually have any of that value. You don't have trust. You don't have you know, the understanding of, of people's strengths and weaknesses. You don't have the support of, of a team in a certain way. You don't have the longevity of working on one model and one thing and iterating it and perfecting it and making it better and better and better and better over time. And like the cumulative gain of all those things, people don't realize how powerful it is. And I think once they do, and, and there's a sense of real ability to commit and ability to, to go deep in partnerships and relationships and in a model, even like pick a model, go deep in it. You know, people are going to start experiencing that the ceiling becoming the floor 
And that's how they do it. But so often we unconsciously keep our ceiling because we're just on the surface. We're transactional. We're horizontal. We're we're not building all that cumulative value gain, if that makes sense. Well, people are looking for the magic bullet, right? To your first point, they probably aren't all in. They might. In, I think you're being generous with 98%, but let's just <laughs> say that they are 98%. That's still not enough to have the tenacity and the unwillingness, the, the non-negotiable attitude that you will make this happen regardless of what obstacles face you. Because the obstacles will be there. We all know that. And so instead of them facing the obstacles, they look for quote unquote creative ways to try and find that, as I said, magic bullet to get them to not have to put full effort, but you know, comfortable effort. And being successful isn't always comfortable. And clearly you've shared the things that have happened in your life, not only in your life as a young person, but also as an entrepreneur, right? You've, you've shared that it hasn't been a, you know, a single path of success. There's been a lot of bobbing and weaving that had to happen as a result of you getting to where you're at today. One of the things that you, you have alluded to briefly are some of the habits and rituals that you've adopted into your life, the meditation and things of that nature. Curious, what are some other success habits, I'll call them just for a lack of a better term, or a ritual that you've brought into your life that have helped you balance yourself and become the person you are today? You know, the single most impactful one at present in my life today is not something a whole lot of people are familiar with. It's kind of a new context. It's really a new training for human beings around managing energy and managing emotion. It's really energy management because emotions really are just energy. It's just like energy in its purest form, really. But emotions are, are really the ways that, that we humans are kind of most unsophisticated. Like we don't understand like why we have anxiety or why we have fear or like, you know, what just triggered me to feel this certain way. And then we're taking action on that feeling and we don't know, really know why. And then we produce a result and we're like, damn, like I didn't mean to produce that result. I didn't want to piss that person off. I didn't want to offend that person. Oh, I didn't want to quit. I didn't want them to quit. I didn't want to create that conflict, but it happened. And that's really what I, where I, I credit energy management to like being one of the most powerful tools in my life right now. Because if I know how to like Tony Robbins will, maybe some people will reference this better, like what he calls state management, like how you manage your state and kind of getting yourself into a certain state, you know, energy management is kind of like the next level of that. Cause Tony really can like help you get into a state, but that's quite rudimentary. And if you're actually dealing with deeper emotions, like I just got a call from my sister and it triggered something about my father and maybe I lost my father a while ago or whatever, and you're carrying around this sadness and you don't even realize how that sadness might be impacting how you're showing up in your day, your energy levels, your motivation, all these different things. Like you just don't even realize it. Like energy management is more like, how do I actually express the true authentic emotion of that sadness so that it's complete. It's not in me. It's just complete. Like it's just not there anymore. Right. Or, or I allowed it to move through And the same works with anger and the same works with fear, right? These are the three predominant emotions, anger, sadness, and fear. 
that so often are driving us. And like, you can do the like, rah, 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 and like get yourself into an amped up state. It's not going to move your fear, right? It might change your state for a little bit, but you're still going to, you know, if you were afraid, you were triggered because a bill came in, you don't have the money to pay it. Go ahead and get yourself in a state. But it's like, you're building that state on top of a shit pie or whatever you want to call it, right? You've, you take a bite into the, there's creaming on, there's cream on top, but there's shit underneath. And so I think that's where real sophistication around energy management comes in. And I have all these practices that I do now when I'm actually doing them, which the times when I create results that I didn't want, it was like, oh crap, I didn't actually manage my energy before I went into this conversation, before I did this meeting, before I did that. And when I do manage my energy before I, I approach all the big things, I'm just so much more clear, so much more on point. I'm so much more authentically powerful. And, you know, that's where people really uh, create next level results. So I would check out Living Freedom. I'd get on a plane. I'd go to Mexico. I would do the Living Freedom curriculum with my mentors, uh, Diamond and River, down there in Mexico. Uh, they are game changers. They've totally changed my life. They have some of the most sophisticated training around this kind of stuff I've ever seen. Um, that's what's really working the most in my life right now, Billy. Well, I was just about to ask the question, what advice do you have for somebody that wants to be able to manage their energy? So that was a great suggestion. Let's just say that somebody either isn't there yet to ready to dedicate the time or the money to go do that. Not saying that that's a good idea, but what other suggestions do you have to manage your energy? Is there, is there books or other people they could follow at least to start? Yeah, I mean, there's books for sure. The, the Power of Full Engagement by Tony Schwartz is an amazing book that will teach the principles of energy management. But, you know, don't be a wussy. You know, go get the freaking money, get on a plane and go change your freaking life. And if you got an excuse, then you don't deserve your life changing anyway. I love it. To be honest. I mean, I like love that, it. that's the I truth. Love like, it. I love it. Be man. bigger than the excuse. So, yeah, get on a plane. I'm with you, man. Well, it's so interesting because like I've, I've been looking a lot at, at sort of our blood, our brain gets flooded with these neurotransmitters and these hormones, right? Whether it be, you know, the dopamine or oxytocin or endorphins, you know, which are going to make you feel really good or the opposite, the adrenaline and the cortisol, which you're going to have this fight or flight sort of um, way of thinking. And being able to manage your emotional state is, I'm so glad you brought it up because it's easy to say, go meditate go exercise, go do all these things, which can help with a lot of these emotions. But like, let's go deep. Let's go deeper than that. Why is it that those work? Why is it that they are helpful? Well, it's, yeah. they're all helping you actually manage your emotional state. So great, yeah. great topic. And sometimes they're hard. You know, it's hard to meditate. Like, why? Like, why do so many people struggle to meditate? It's because when they sit down and meditate, they start feeling everything. Yeah. They start feeling and then all of a sudden their mind is racing because the mind's not comfortable with, you know, uncomfortable feelings. And it's like they just feel like they got to move. They're anxious. All that is energy management. If you have some real practices to move that energy, pillow work, screaming work, like different things that like you look at it and you say, oh, that's weird. No, it isn't. It's highly effective. It's actually what's going on inside you. And you're just figuring out how to move that energy so it's no longer inside you. It's right. What's the outlet? What's the outlet? Yeah, what, and, and what will work for you as an individual? And exactly powerful. This is a perfect lead into the lightning round, which is really a set of quick hitting questions where I want your gut reaction as you hear it. What's the immediate thing that comes to your mind? This is going to be an emotional state or situation. And so for the first question is, what excites you? 
the possibility of mankind, you know, really making a directional shift in our use of fossil fuels and um, the meat industry and, you know, many of the, you know, the big burdens we're taxing our, our planet with right now. You and me both. What scares you? Uh, not making the changes we need to make fast enough to avoid dire consequences. Yep. Totally agree there too. Okay. What surprises you? Oh, what surprises me? People's ability to overcome adversity and stay committed to their, their deepest dreams and visions. I just, I love it when I see it. It's always like, oh, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I totally agree, man. It's a, it's a, it's a great reminder of the power of uh, our ability to commit to something and, and follow through. And it's okay to be a dreamer and it's okay to hope. But ultimately what it comes down to is do you have the grit, determination and hunger to do whatever it is you, you seek to accomplish in this life? You only have one and make the most of it. If you feel comfortable sharing, when was the last time you cried and why? Uh, oh, it was no. Oh, last night. Last night I cried a little and uh, I was in a sharing circle with uh, two of my best friends and my wife. And we were all doing 10 minute rounds of what's most important to us right now and what we're working on the most. And um, I'm, I was working through a major issue with my father that's taken place since my mom died and it's a big deal. And I shed some tears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could understand that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's also emotion and allowing yourself to not be afraid or intimidated of crying. I think all too often people try to make crying a, a bad thing. And that's one of the reasons I asked the question is it's, it's super healthy. It's natural. And it's an awesome question, Billy. I got to tell you, your podcast questions and that list you sent over are the best I've ever seen. Oh man. And that's... I've been, I've been doing these interviews for over 10 years and that they were the best I've ever seen. Wow. Dude. Thank <laughs> you, man. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, uh, it. I mean it from uh, the bottom of my heart. You just gave me chills, brother. This is a question about book. You recommended one book a moment ago, but what book have you recommended more than any other book and why? Oof, God, I can't pick one. That's like picking your favorite movie. I know, right? Well, yeah, you're uh, able to change it later, but for the purpose of this podcast, you'll have your favorite for this one. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I'm going back to like the first book I ever read on my journey of spiritual awakening if you will and it's called the celestine prophecy Ooh, that's a good one i like that one bro that is a deep that's a good one man it's a game changer man like it's a real game changer well we haven't talked too much about this but i got into network marketing when i was 19 and i moved up really quickly and i read that book and i don't know why but it just had a had a really profound impact on me at the time especially i don't know why it was just this weird weird sort of time in my life, but man, powerful, powerful book. That's a great yeah. recommendation. James Redfield, Celestine Prophecy. Love it. Okay. Let's talk inspiration. Who is the most inspirational person in your life and why? <sighs> you know, I, I go back to Bill Twist and Lynn Twist. I respect them so much. I admire them so much for who they have been in the world consistently for so many decades. They're the true example of, I think, you know, human beings that live the deepest values and they do it every day and they show up, you know, and give so selflessly and operate at such a high level and execute so well. I mean, it's just, 
they're my idols you know it's like all right yeah. if i'm if i'm like bill and lynn then i made it you've done something well yeah i lived up to my full potential so that's cool che- man check out the pachamama alliance and lynn and bill twist for sure and attend and awaken for everyone listening attend and awaken the dreamer symposium find one that's happening around you and go attend it and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So for anybody interested in finding out more about them, they sound incredible and clearly have had a monumental impact on you as a human being. And I think that's that's special um, when you think about when people can have that kind of impact. Okay, so if you could spend an hour with anyone, and I mean anyone, they could be living or dead, who would it be and why? You know, Elon Musk comes to mind first. And <laughs> obviously, you know, Elon is... A, a sensational human being also easily to see a pretty flawed human being you know, there's a lot of things he does it's like oh come on bro but i just have so much respect for elon and the way he thinks and to spend an hour with elon you know really talking through what's going on in the world and actually challenging a lot of his assumptions. I'd like to see if, <laughs> if, uh, if I could have a conversation that would get him a little bit more focused on earth than Mars. But I love the, I love, I love him no matter what anyway. So yeah, God, what an amazing human being. And yeah. uh, believe me, I've, <laughs> I've had opportunities to get close to his atmosphere and it is truly remarkable to see just the way he thinks and the decisions he makes. And to your point, doesn't mean he's perfect. Far from it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we could, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, which I won't even touch. Um, but what I will touch is if you had the chance, what would you tell your 20-year-old self if you could go back in time? Find a way to shortcut all the self-loathing, bro. You're worth it. You're fucking awesome. You're a good human being. You're whole and complete as it is. Just skip the bullshit and just make choices to love who you are today and make loving yourself the priority and you're going to be a really happy person. Oh, very, very cool, yeah. man. I love hearing that. Yeah. You already said this, so I, I'll, I'll uh, assume that the answer you gave earlier is is still true, which is you don't have regrets, right? So no no regrets in life or, or is there any that, that you think would be worth mentioning? I have things I feel guilty about, things I feel shameful about that I've done that I wish I didn't do that would take back if I could. And I can't, right? And so because I can't, you know, I just have to integrate those experiences as, you know, okay, this pain, the shame, this guilt, this regret, like this is meant to be a teacher. It's meant to be a guide. Like if you get really off your path and really off who you are, you can go to some dark places and it's very important. You don't go there. You know, mm, your yeah. life, the things you want are based on not going there. Yeah. So they're, they're my teachers now. Good. Well, it's good to have that perspective and your life has led you to, to understand things in that way. Curious what achievement you're most proud of. If you, as you look back at your life and reflect, is there any single achievement that stands out above all others? Yup. It's, um, how healthy my relationship with my children and my wife is right now. And I thank God for that because, you know, early on in starting power, I got married and had a kid and founded this company in the same year. Everything happened in the same year. And I can tell you that it stressed me <laughs> so. I, you don't need to say anymore. You just yeah, said it right I mean, there. Just, I mean, for anyone who's founded a company, gotten married, and had children, 
yeah, you get it, you know, do all those in the same year. And honestly, bro, I almost, it was almost too much, you know, and it takes a lot for me to say that something's too much. Arrogantly, I thought that I had this ability to take on everything. And I now recognize I don't like, I made it really difficult on myself, really difficult on my wife. And that was a huge lesson. And I needed to claw my way back out of that. I needed to make huge changes to who I was as a as a human and what my mentors Diamond and River call the bedroom, the kitchen, and the bathroom. Like, who are you being in the bedroom, the kitchen, and the bathroom? Because that person, you know, like that's that's the real deal. Not everybody mm-hmm. sees that person. That's uh, right. but, but that's the person that, that really don't. matters, you know, right. like. And so the changes I've had to make to the person in the bedroom, the kitchen, and the bathroom is honestly what I'm most proud of right now. That's great. Well, you should feel that way, actually, because <laughs> to your point, right? Nothing matters. I mean, health is number one. And the reason health is number one, if you want to be the best human being for your for the people you care about, then you got to care about yourself. And and again, probably a, a pretty deep conversation we could get into just on those things. Well, we're nearing the end, but but we've learned so much about you, Jonathan, on this call. Wonder what might surprise the audience that we haven't yet learned about you. I don't know, man. I've been pretty authentic on this call. I've been pretty vulnerable. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, have been. You, you, you could, I mean, I could tell you that like I'm really a softy at heart and I have a pretty hard exterior demeanor with my team and with many. So if you meet me and that some of that really comes from the gangster days too. There's not, there's some like, you know, that's, there's some gangsters still there, you know? So like I can be, I can <laughs> never get hard. rid of all the gangster. There's always going to yeah. be a sliver of that gangster in there. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that probably isn't surprising. The fact I'm a softy isn't surprising, you know? The fact that I'm highly flawed wouldn't be surprising. I don't know what the hell would be surprising. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a gardener. I've recently become a gardener, so I'm out there like growing plants and seeds and learning like legitimately how to grow food and garden right now. But that, maybe that's not surprising either. So, but you know what? Actually, that's that's interesting to me because that's super healthy. Because you, when you're working all the time, and then when you're not working, you're with family, and then when you're not with family, maybe you're exercising, you're doing something for yourself. It doesn't leave much time to do something that's going to get your mind off of all those things. And you yeah. know, gardening may be that outlet for you. Something else may be that an outlet for somebody else. So it has become. It's so freaking good. Like I put my my hands are in the dirt and like I don't know. It it restores me. It's if you read the power of full engagement by Tony Schwartz. I mean, he goes deep into how the top performers in the world are the best at regenerating themselves and how they restore themselves after they spend energy and deplete energy. Mm. They're the best at actually putting energy back in. It definitely does that. It goes back to that energy management. That's that's mm-hmm. so, so cool. All right. Well, last sort of open-ended question. Anything else that you would like to share with this audience, either about yourself or recommendation or just the last final words from Jonathan Budd? Yeah. Come check us out at power.com. And if you've got a calling, be part of an epic movement, an epic vision, make your ceiling, your floor and kick ass and take names and clean energy. Power.com, baby. We're making it happen. We're doing it. And I'm confident that uh, we can help a lot of people go to the next level in their own life. So come check us out. Love it. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Jonathan, there is no one that has your story. Thank you for being so vulnerable and open to share it and to be just a real human being and to allow yourself to talk about things that 
probably weren't necessarily the most comfortable thing to talk about, but I'm certain that people will appreciate and value your openness and willingness to, to share yourself. You've had an incredible life story from the very beginning to where you're at today. And I'm excited to see where the next chapters lead. Thank you for being on Inside Out. Illy, love you, man. Thank you so much for creating the space you created for me to feel safe to, to really authentically share and, and show up and for the intention to get you know, knowledge and training and inspiration out to people in the world that is making a huge impact. And it takes an amazing person to do that. And I'm just recognizing you, brother. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.